Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. We're interested in what it takes to keep everything going and how to get the job done. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. On this episode of The Breadwinners, I'm joined by Alana Rea, founder of ETRA, a mentorship program for girls. ETRA connects girls in the U.S., Canada, and India with female leaders and breadwinners to help them see who they want to be. Alana is a former mergers and acquisition lawyer at Skadden Arps and was just listed among 250 entrepreneurs on the inaugural Forbes Next 1000 list. All of which is to say, welcome, Alana. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that you're next. <laughs> I'm going to be next. <laughs> I, love the, I love them just saying next. Right. We don't have to just say, because we're saying that, you know, the whole future is yours next. You're up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and everyone's looking forward right now. I think for sure right. coming out of the pandemic and everything else when they were trying to highlight entrepreneurs and people starting new chapters. Everyone's just forward looking. Every single one. Well, what a lovely segue because at the Breadwinners, we often start with a stat. And one that jumped out for me for our conversation is that at last count, there were 10.3 million teen girls and talking 15 to 19, you know, uh, as someone with a 14 year old in my house, you know, that's a much different age than the older teens. But so that's a lot. That's a lot of next in our country. So. I know why I'm always intrigued by them. I have them in my house. But what drew you to working with this age group and to launch Etra? You know, it's exactly the same thing. I had a teen in my house. When I was working originally, as you said, I was a mergers and acquisitions lawyer and I loved it. I mean, I was just the happiest lawyer. I loved my firm. I was with the same firm, you know, for 15 years. And I realized one day when she was in middle school, so just under the age range that you listed, that she did not have a clear sense of what I did every day. And, you know, what was worse was she wasn't curious about what I was doing every day. And I had all of these female friends and we were in book groups and sports leagues and all of these different things with our kids. All of these women had incredible jobs and she didn't know what they did either. I thought, this is ridiculous, first of all. It's fixable. And so originally, my idea was simply to broaden her view of female role models. I wanted her to see women doing cool things, working in interesting fields. Later, much later, when I actually founded Etra, because I founded it after I retired from law, I then I dove into the stats, exactly the stats you're talking about, and realized that even younger than that, between the ages of eight and 14, girls' confidence can drop by almost 30%. Yeah. The threshold of that age, they're quitting their sports at maybe twice the rate of boys. So why is there that confidence gap? It was the combination of seeing my daughter and feeling like I wasn't giving her enough role models and then diving into the stats and realizing confidence can falter right then. Wouldn't it be great if you could throw the right role model in front of the right girl at the right time? You know, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal a million years ago when I would bring my kids to the office all the time and I was doing a magazine and websites and stuff. And they said they had pulled children and they, nobody knew what their parents did. Yeah. The only thing they knew was like, oh yeah, like my kid, there was a cupcake 
store that was it was all the rage with cupcakes in the basement or in the you know the street level of the building and mm-hmm. and they were allowed to go down with money and go pick out their own cupcake right. when mommy had to do an important phone call or something right. and that's all they knew yeah yeah so Defund you know the they law, the law firm you know, I was, right sorry the law firm i was with did exactly the same thing it just made <laughs> this memory pop up for me we would have bring your children to work day and they would deck the cafeteria out with every sweet tooth fantasy and hot dog cart and everything else that there could be. And, you know, once a year, my kids thought that was great, but I think they probably thought I actually worked at, you know, the cupcake Ferris wheel or whatever. Right. Showing up. <laughs> no wonder the kids resent us sometimes going to work. Like you got to go and just have cupcakes every day. Right, right. You know, come on. Well, I think a lot about a topic that always pops up for me is that you see all this language with girls when they're very young and kind of maybe up to that eight-year-old mark where, you know, it's, you're a super girl and you're, you can take on the world and you're, you're amazing. Girls rule the world. Then you get girls. Well, now you're young women and you're in the workforce and there's all this language around. You should take space at the table. You should, you know, you need to raise your voice. You're not negotiating enough. And I always wonder what is it between eight and 22 where we somehow become, we go from, we can rule the world to let me show you how to sit at a table. Have you ever noticed this? Because I sometimes feel I'm the only one who thinks about this. No, it's a great <laughs> point. And you, you, I mean, you said it so clearly. I think it's exactly right. I think, you know, when they're younger and especially as they get to high school, right? When they're yeah. crossing those halls, we do say to them, like, do anything lean into what you love. And I really do try to stress that with our younger girls. I built Etra for middle school girls. It almost immediately trended older. Our high school girls started forming after school clubs. When they graduated high school, they moved into college and brought it with them to campus. So Etra is four years old. And I've already seen in that space that it's got the stickiness in middle school, but we trended older. And I think it's exactly, it speaks to what you're talking about. In the beginning, there's lots of girl power and lots of empowerment and bringing them into companies to meet women face to face is such a springboard because they can really see a woman who looks like them, who has a yeah. similar background to them, who maybe was similarly nervous to raise her hand in science. And now she works at NASA or now she's an engineer at YouTube or someplace where the girls yeah. might want to work and they can visualize it. Then they get to high school and they're involved in that world. But maybe that role model sticks in their mind. Maybe they stay in contact or maybe they just think, oh, internships like that are out there someday. When they land in the professional world, we do want them to bring a chair to the table. We do want to show them that all of that empowerment has a place to go. And whether you're in a classroom or a boardroom, they should be heard and their hand should be raised. But the role model to me is the way to get it done. And the thing that connects you all the way through, seeing someone do it, And then being able to pull up that chair, and maybe we are worried that they're not going to be enough chairs, but from where I sit, the companies that we're interacting with all want women at their table and they want to save those seats for girls. Yeah. I want these girls to see those stories and go, I don't need that. I know how to negotiate. I know how to sit at the table because that woman sat at the table, you know, that I see the path. Yep. So how does it all work? Because there is also the idea that I'm 15 and I don't even know what I don't know yet. Right. And that's the thing. There are so many different ways to get involved with Etra. And to be truthful, it has grown very organically with our girls. When I Mm. first built it, I thought it was just going to be a resource site. 
You know, I thought it was going to be a curated site of role model, inspirational quotes, and just free resources that girls could click through. If you love chess and all of your friends are going to go cheerleading, (laughs) that's what you love. And here are three resources with free chess lessons, languages, STEM resources, athlete role models. That's what I originally pictured. I formed a board really early on of middle and high school age girls because I no longer had one in my house and I need their feedback. And the board runs the show. Every month I get feedback (laughs) from them. And I'll say, we have the opportunity to visit one of these three companies. Which one are you voting for? If we could interview a CEO or an athlete this month, who do you want it to be? And they vote. So girls can get involved if they just want to listen and surf the website. Etragirls.com has tons of resources, pages, videos, things that they can see. If they want to join the board, I love the feedback. They simply email us on the website and they become part of that decision-making body. Then when you get into high school, we have after-school clubs where girls can find different mentors. They can join us on these mentor events. We can talk later about how we've morphed in the pandemic and gone yeah. more you know, virtual than anything else, but it's still exactly the same platform. And then as girls are getting into college, we have our first class of girls now at Tri Campus. And it's fascinating because they are circling back to some of the women that we met when we went to the stock exchange, when we went to Morgan Stanley. And now they're talking about, can you look at my LinkedIn profile? How do I build a resume? How do I do a virtual internship? All of those questions that no one really has the answers to in this. Yeah, I, I actually was like, what? yeah, what's the answer to that? Right. <laughs> exactly. And these women who were so generous with their time when we stood in their offices now are connecting with the girls in a different way. So I truly think we are a small organization and we're growing really fast, but the girls have made it so that there's ease of entry at every point if they want to get involved. Uh, That's great because, you you know, we all imagine we know what you want at 16, (laughs) but the 16-year-olds know what they want, you know, what, what would be helpful to them and what would be a little bit too much of us foisting our thought on them. So that, that I love, I love that. Can you tell that I have a 17-year-old in my life too and that who will have a very strong opinion as to how learning happens? I value those opinions to no end. I never thought yeah. about after-school clubs when I built this. And one of the girls said, why can't I bring this to my school? I want to bring these mentors into my school and do this. And boom, we had after-school clubs. Yeah. Even the oh. live meetings. Originally, we were so small. One of the girls said, why can't we meet the women that we're interviewing? And I said, well, we're a year and a half old. They're never going to come to us. Let me see if we can go to them. Six months later, Spotify hosted our first Lunch and Learn. And a busload of girls stood in the middle of their cafeteria and on their stage and talked to their executives. And Oh, wonderful. Their idea. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. And, it, and, and so how are you shaping these conversations because, you know, so that it's not like cupcake time, as, as wonderful as those days are, but that they can actually, because again, you don't know what you don't know about, like, do they know to ask about like, you know, how did you, how'd you get here? I think their questions are really authentic and that's what makes yeah. the conversation's great. We don't stay very long and this is not a full day for the company. So we keep it at a very light lift for them. You know, yeah. we're usually in and out. We have lunch. We meet as many women as they will give us. Um, but we're usually out in under two hours. You know, I think the girls, we can talk on the bus going in or circulate some emails ahead of time saying, ask whatever you want. This is what I would ask. This is your opportunity to think about how you can step into those shoes. 
Yeah. The questions can range from anything from what was your college major, what was your favorite subject in school, to what's your typical day like, and what's it like when you're the only woman in the room, and what's it yeah. like to feel that energy on the stock exchange floor, and how is that different than it was 10 years ago? They don't need a lot of guidance with their questions. They're unvarnished, and they're really, really substantive. I have a, a focus group of very few, but I the thinking that and the seeing, you know, they see everything that's going on. You know, that's, oh, to have uh, young women in your life in your own home is to know that you are role modeling everything. So it's, I imagine, what's the feedback you get from the executives when they get to meet the um, uh, generation next? It's so much fun. I mean, first of all, we've not had one company say no when we've asked to visit. So they're already kind of primed to be in this. They love it. They remember standing in high tops, just like these girls are wearing and feeling like this. So they relate. The emails we get back afterwards are incredible. I wish I'd had this when I was their age. Please come back anytime. We were so surprised by the depth of the questions. They're all about it. And I'm just generous. I'm I'm grateful for their generosity every single day because none of this would work if the executives didn't lean way into it. Well, I have learned myself the power when I was younger, especially and and actually, you know, at every stage of your career, the power of role modeling. But let's go into it. Why is it so important for them just even not even to converse, but just to see these women? I think it's one thing for us as mothers or aunts to say, you can do anything. You're so talented. You have such skills. Raise your hand, raise your voice. It's one thing if we say it and it's good for us to say it. It's right. completely something else to bring a girl into, you know, a place like YouTube where she uses the platform, loves what they do. Lots of her role models are already there. And for a woman to say, this is how I got here. This is what I do every day. This is why I work so hard. Come meet my team, which maybe has one other woman, but this is what I do. It mm-hmm. impacts her in a different way. To have an athlete look at a girl and say, you know, I almost quit soccer at exactly your age too. And I know exactly how that feels. And I was nervous about my high school team too, but now I'm training for the Olympics. Come see what I do. Right. It's just, it has more weight. It has more immediacy. And these are women that the girls can hop onto social media and follow and see how interesting. And it's a completely different, it is a mentorship. And we use that word loosely when obviously we're talking about younger girls, not in a workspace. But that can be a mentorship from afar or a role model situation that carries her for years after she met that woman. Right. Yeah. Because the future is real. Mm-hmm. If they can actually see someone living in it, right? Yep. I had I had sent you a, a note before, but would you suggest M&A law to the- <laughs> I would. I would. And, and I recognize that I am among the nerdier people out there and I loved law school <laughs> and I loved M&A. I would. I think mergers and acquisitions and the ability to help companies buy and sell and grow and divest, you know, for me was creative and strategic and I loved it. And I liked that it was hard and I liked to learn not to be afraid of the situations. Um, Yes, I loved it. I think everyone should go to law school. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think the ability to put together an argument and present it, Mm -hmm. that alone, it's, um, I feel that way as... Having gone to journalism school, the ability to communicate and to take disparate facts and put it together and make a coherent thesis is incredibly strong. But then to take it in law school and be able to communicate it out and yep. be confident in how you present it, that's amazing. Yeah. 
and to be terrified in a class and then to get past it, a courtroom, a boardroom, these things will have less fear for you because you've done it. Well, so with Etra, why, uh, what's the, the, the U S Canada, India, uh, triangle is so interesting before COVID we were mainly in the U S we had, I mean, and we have uh, some girls in the UK and we had one or two girls in Canada, but it was sort of a very U.S. based organization. And indeed, our first book, which came out in 2019, included wisdom from 40 women and then questions from 50 girls, most of whom were all in the U.S. We were very sort of focused here. The minute we went virtual, our last live event was in LA with Tyra Banks. We did a mentorship event. Then everything shut down in March and we went virtual. And the minute we did that, two things happened. We were able to increase the size of these mentor events that we were doing. Instead of bringing 10 or 20 girls, we could have 50 or 100 in the room, which was great. And we started with social media growing into other areas. We have our first after-school club in India starting next month. We've got girls in Canada. We had girls doing Insta takeovers from Turkey and Panama and all of these different places. Those three places that you named really seem to be the heart of where we're sticking. But the ability to go global and that changed everything. And so I think even though we will obviously go back to the live events, because that is the heart of what we do, these virtual pop-up mentor events are absolutely going to stay. Wow. Well, and so, and let's talk about what the pandemic, it's a weird sense personally that especially at the beginning of pandemic, it was reaching out and making gazillion light contacts Mm -hmm. with people, but kind of because you were already missing that, like being together in a room and, and you and I would meet over coffee and talk and bond and having that kind of more leisurely time to really connect. How are the teens doing? Like, how are you doing that to, to make connections for them with this, especially now that it's not a sprint, it's a marathon and we're still in it? For sure. I will say, if you want examples of resiliency, look no further than today's girls. Because when it first started, all I wanted to do was try to fill some of the gaps that were being created when they were out of school. And my heart broke. You know, these girls, the fall musical was gone. Their spring yes. sports you know, season was gone. There wasn't going to be a yearbook. So trying to fill it with different activities and different interests was a focus of mine. We became um, a registered TED-Ed club this year for that reason. So I've got 18 girls right now preparing TED Talks that will tape in June. And that's something that maybe their school had a club like that and it was canceled. We're doing this virtually. So that was one way that we're able to lean into it. Yeah. But I will say the girls took opportunities to start pandemic businesses and to give back to their communities. And the number of ideas that came at us, can you help us do this? I want to build this business. I want to launch this nonprofit. I want, I had girls writing books, their ingenuity, their need to communicate in a larger space and give back through the pandemic, through Black Lives Matter. It was stunning. And I was impressed every single day. And this came directly from the ground with these girls. Wow. Oh, it just makes me, I, you know, when Forbes does its, you know, 1000 next, you know, 20 years from now, all these girls running the show. They will. That'll be an amazing thing. And so now tell me about the book and the knowledge strategy approach that Etra does. I love that you mentioned that. So when I was at the end of my time at the firm, um, 
I had been asked to help create these knowledge strategy banks, which were basically internal resource sites where we were putting the latest and greatest in M&A, and then we did it in other practices. And that was sort of how I envisioned the first Etra website, which was knowledge strategy for girls. There's so much information out there. They are drinking from the fire hose. What if you could curate it and vet it and make it age appropriate and put up the latest and greatest just to help them navigate the things that they love? So that was originally the concept for knowledge strategy. And it, you know, it feels appropriate to me. The book, our next book comes out on International Women's Day of 22. And it is called The Epic Mentor Guide. And we are collecting questions from girls, no longer just in the US, but all around the globe, questions relating to the work world. So for the high school, college, professional, pre-professional age, real questions like we were discussing, how do I write an email that someone at this company will read, virtual interviews, and then we're getting women at these companies to answer the questions. And so that is just so much fun on all fronts. And that, um, that'll be out March next year. Uh, well, so two big questions. Mm-hmm. Asking for a friend, say I have a 17-year-old girl in my house. <laughs> Bring it. How, can, how does she get involved with Etra? Um, so our website is etragirls, E-T-R-E, girls.com. And on any of the pages where you see Club Etra or Contact Us, Etra campus, there's a form and it shoots an email right over to us and we'll circle back with information. We can do a one-on-one. What's great about the platform is it's really nimble and flexible to whatever extent a girl wants to get involved. If she says, look, I just want to do something on a quarterly basis, or I want to fold it into another entrepreneurial project I'm working on. I need a mentor in this area. We're growing with our girls and that means we want to provide what they need at the time. So all over the website, or you can DM us on Instagram. We are at Etra Girls everywhere on social. Um, you can always DM us and we'll make it fit to what she needs. That's awesome. And how about on the flip side, say a company, I'm a, a female executive that, and what about male executive? I mean, how did the corporation side come in to uh, Etra? You know, in a similar way, um, there's a place on the website for if you want to mentor a similar form to fill out, it shoots right over to us. A lot of our company connections have happened organically through word of mouth. They see that we visited one place and somebody else from diversity and inclusion or a women's group reaches out to us and says, we'd love to host you as well. To the point about male mentors, I yeah. think they're so important, male champions, male advocates. I think they're so important in anyone's professional life. And we talk about that quite a bit with our older girls. Right now, this is a girls to women platform. It was really important to me to show female role models across the board so that girls everywhere have access to it. And we're sticking with that right now. Etra guys may show up later on, but for right now, we're all about the girls. (laughs) And, and, you know, that just leaves you more, uh, more rows to hoe, you know, more places to grow. And I do think, that's the point of role modeling is that you see yourself. It's that clear, you know, that that's, we heard it all the time uh, at Working Mother when, uh, especially when, you know, you have that first baby and you look around and you realize there's no other executives with kids or there are no other working moms or it, and that it really is. The word that just came to mind was deaden. And I and that's really strong, but it really does mute you in the sense of like, is this place for me? Right. So 
So, yes, I, I, I ask about the men because I, I guess we have to let in men at some point. But I do think with I firmly believe there's a lot of work for us to do for women seeing women and knowing that the future is has a place for us in, in all our complexity as and whether or not we have kids or not. But, you know, we have issues. We are trying for advanced degrees. We have chronic illness. We have you know, just want to have a life outside. You want to see complex women doing it like you. And there are big issues out there like you've just named, and we shouldn't underestimate the girl's ability to understand them and approach them and try to find creative solutions for them. You can't ever underestimate these girls and what they're going to do. And there is a future out there for them. And it's really bright. Yes. Yes. Well, Thank you for uh, helping um, turn the light on a little brighter for uh, this next generation and making it very bright for them. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast here. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on The Breadwinners. Our guest today with Alana Rea of Etra. You will find links to Etra and to some of the stats we discussed in the episode description. Email us anytime at thebreadwinnerspod at gmail.com or visit us at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. Please remember to subscribe and to rate and review us. It really helps us grow. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.